I am Kevon Fodderingham, and I welcome you to For Common Good, the podcast, a place to meet creative luminaries and arts for social change leaders from around the globe. Join me to hear their stories, get tips on creative enterprise, and learn about their projects that are changing the game and making a difference. I do hope you enjoy. So, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm here joined by the lovely Jennifer Williams Baffle. Um, episode 5 of A Common Good, the podcast, where I speak to creative luminaries from across the globe, learning a bit more about what they are doing with the arts to promote social change. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you <laughs> for gonna... having me, Kevon. Oh, wow, it's such a pleasure. I'm going to read a bit of Jennifer's bio, and then I'll jump right in and start asking her a few questions. So Jennifer is currently the Virtual Learning Environment Manager for the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama. Additionally, Jennifer leads the award-winning Virtual Learning Environment Space at Central St. Martins, Digital Fluency, a digital development platform for staff and students. In addition, Jennifer delivers creative management courses for the fashion schools at Central St. Martins and the London School of Fashion and mentors at the number one Royal College of Art on the ME in Digital Direction. Jennifer resided in Ghana for a number of years, consulting for the United Nations and the World Trade Organization on their ethical fashion program. Jennifer has also consulted for the British Council, the Mayor of London, the African Foundation for Development, and the British Fashion Council, among others. Author of the British Fashion Council's Designer Manufacturer Handbook, the publication has since helped thousands of people to develop best practice when managing their creative business. Drawing on over 20 years experience in business development, training and management, Jennifer now focuses mainly on digitally enhanced and distance learning. Jennifer is passionate about the digital arena and how this can be applied to aid digitally engaged learning with educational spaces. Welcome, welcome, fantastic bio. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. So this is episode five, um, mm -hmm. and I have so far spoken to people from Burundi, from wow. Italy, from Israel, um, now from the UK, from the Philippines as well. And I'm really Thank looking you. at world at leaders because all of you, I do consider you leaders in your field and leaders and leaders across the globe. Each of you is Thank doing you. something that is really unique. And I'm happy to say that I've known you for a number of years by now. It's yeah, been actually yeah. quite a number yeah. of years when you first visited. Yeah. Um, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so Your Jennifer, beautiful country. Yes. All of this education and fashion and all of this fashion business. And what made you want to get into fashion? Oh, wow. So, ooh. I'll try and do a really short story. As a we little have girl, a lot of time. We have a lot of time. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, that's great. As a little yeah. girl, I used to make my own clothes with tissue paper, you know, like the toilet mm -hmm. paper. And, and then um, I had some neighbors that lived, you know, a little bit up the road from me. And they showed me how to make clothes, you know. And, and I was interested in all sorts of things as a kid. And then um, I went to study uh, at school. And my parents were really pushing for me to have like a... Um, uh, a scientific background because I loved science. Right. Um, I won't. I know one of the questions later is about what, what I've done. So I, I, that's a little bit of a clue. Anyway, long story short, um, <laughs> I, I disappointed my dad 
because I said to him, look, you know, I'm excelling at art and I want to go and study clothing. He was like, okay, fine. As long as you go to the top, you need to get into the top colleges, which I did, which was London College of Fashion and Mm -hmm. subsequently Central St. Martin's. Martin's. And then it sort of, you know, took off from there. And then when I graduated from Central St. Martin's, um, I'm going to tell you a very interesting story and I think it may help some of the listeners. I got a job straight away straight away when I graduated from Central St. Martins and I got a job as a pattern cutter and a designer mm-hmm. in a very small company in the central of London, the heart of fashion. A, we've got like a fashion hub, very close to London mm-hmm. College of Fashion. Right. And um, I got fired from that job. That's very important that you understand that. I got fired <laughs> from that job. And I was devastated because, you know, I'd gone to a recruitment agency see whether or not you know i'd get employed the recruitment agency the guy at the recruitment agency alex mcintosh very important name had said to me your ex-boss has just been in here to advertise your job and i immediately i burst into tears he was like stop crying wow. why are you crying i said well you're not going to give me a job now if i've been fired and what have you he looked at my credentials he said listen don't worry about that don't worry about that i want i see something in you i think you should go and work at a department store called Harvey Nichols. I mm-hmm. want you to work there part-time. I don't want you to ever go full-time. The whole point being is call this number, because at that time they weren't mobiles. <laughs> that shows you how long ago it was. Call this person and try and get an interview. And I did, and I got a part-time job there learning about retail, learning about fashion retail, high-end luxury fashion, and I enjoyed it. The perception was, at that time, my degree as well was in... Um, marketing fashion marketing and management so you know what i'm gonna go off and be a buyer or a designer those were the two jobs when you graduated from college back in the 90s um and i wanted to do a job in marketing but there didn't seem to be any fashion marketing jobs anyway i learned some skills i learned how to interact with customers Mm -hmm. and i thoroughly enjoyed it and i thought you know what the hell with the pattern cutting job you know i didn't want to i mean i was interested in it because my my um boss at the time she was the same age as me she was lovely but it was the team I was working with that were disingenuous anyway going fast forward into Harvey Nichols I listened to Alex and Alex had said to me whatever you do do not go full-time part-time yeah you'll end up having a life of working in retail and there's nothing wrong with that but he said I know that's not what you want to do your dream is to get into management or marketing you know you could do that at Harvey Nichols but, you know, I want you to kind of follow your path. And at the time, the London College of Fashion, it was called London Institute then, had this mm-hmm. newsletter that you got in the post. So I just go to show you. Wow. And it had all these jobs <laughs> in it. Yeah, so it tells you how long ago it was. Anyway, so I saw this job for a marketing manager in there, and I applied, and uh, I went for the interview. I didn't get the job. Okay. But then about a week later, the guy phoned me back up and said, look, you know, I've got a fantastic role that I think you can do. This is to organize events. I just, it's a temporary role. Wow. Um, it's just for four. It's just, I just want you to do four events for me and then that's it. And then, you know, so I was like, okay, I think I can do it. So um, I'm going to blow my trumpet here. I was supposed to do four events for him. I ended up doing 12. It turned out it was the sister company to the British Fashion Council. Then the British Fashion Council caught on to the kind of work that I was doing with this chap, Ken Watson. Um, and we ended up um, developing a project where we were introducing young designers. I'm looking around, let's see if I can see my book. Young designers to manufacturers. Right. Um, and then um, that moved on to actual London Fashion Week designers. So I ended up working with the British Fashion Council who were sort of like two floors down. 
Um, I then subsequently got headhunted to do another project over in um, East London, which is very mm -hmm. fashionable. If anybody mm -hmm. wants to know, kind of, so East London is really uber, uber fashion. And I ran a project there for about three years. I had a huge budget from the government at the time. I had about 1.5 million pounds to uh, spend on fashion and events and um, giving out grants. I used to give out grants for people grants. to London mm -hmm. Fashion Week, mm -hmm. um, give out grants to develop your website at the time because they were kind of like just up and coming, giving out grants for um, certifications. So it was, a, it was a great project. And we did fashion shows and, you know, fantastic we used to organize these evenings and have special talks and having guest speakers come fashion wow. designers key fashion designers in the industry it was an amazing project it was called so east and then that so company okay. yeah that company and the company's name was very important it was called the ethnic minority enterprise project and that the reason why it was called that is because back then the government had recognized this is in the in the early 2000s the government had recognized that there is a high proportion of black Asian minority ethnic mm -hmm. um, creatives who were not getting support, were not getting the the the, the showcasing. Um, you know, we were seeing lots of fashion shows and fashion week happening, and a lot of people taking our ideas, but just not having the platform. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, that company dissolved, and that set me on a trajectory. I got made redundant, which I was really happy about. I left with a fantastic package. Of course. I set myself up, yeah, I set myself up with a consultant, as a consultant. At the time, I met this amazing couple, um, Rodney Levine Boateng and Natasha Egoff, and they had this company called um, 100 Acres Media, and they were working with the Mayor of London to put together an event called Culture to Couture. Culture to Couture um, was amazing because um, what that was about, it was specifically, specifically about Black Mm. Um, African and Caribbean designers. Nothing else. This wasn't BAME, which we hear all the time. This was about black. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. And so um, I was interested. And the reason why Natasha and Rodney approached me is because of the project that I had. I had a lot of black designers who were part of this um, organization. I had a lot of Asian designers as well. And so we worked together. And my role there was to find black, specifically black. <laughs> fashion designs which <laughs> you know who were good who had who had the caliber there were a lot you know right yeah um, and so we showcased this event it was amazing because it was for the mayor of london we did two of the events um uh, for the then kind of that's where i met romero bryan romero bryan yeah our yeah. mutual friend yeah 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 my mm -hmm. my darling one of my best friends and um it was phenomenal because the type of people we had involved um we had all sorts of celebrities oswald Boateng was there um we had um damon dash mm. naomi campbell and of course the absolutely legendary trailblazer andrew ramroop um mbe so you yeah, know it was mm -hmm. it was it was very high level and the industry lost their tish when i say the industry the fashion industry they were like wow okay this is like very senior high level it's high end yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it was showcased it held twice at um the Victorian Albert Museum, which is a very prestigious Yeah, it can't get higher than that. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. it was quintessentially black. Everything about it was black. The PR was black. The, you know, we were sponsored by Ray and Nephew. Again, shout out to my best friend who, did, who helped us with that. <laughs> the media coverage, everything, you know. The only thing was the show calling wasn't, but they understood it. You know, they got, they got it. 
but um everything literally models were black, black. yeah everything was black you know what i mean we, we were not unapologetic about it and it i mean it was so powerful there were um uh, we here we have bus shelters and the posters were all over the bus shelters on the buses it was it was mm-hmm. huge and people were you know it's very interesting because people were calling it racist saying you know why are you just showcasing just black designers and for me it was very interesting because I, I, I missed it I jumped a bit um I had also a couple of years worked on a project called Asian Dreams which mm-hmm. was specifically for Asian designers Southeast right. Asian mm-hmm. Um, Indian, Bangladeshi, Pakistani, and these designers, fantastic clothing, again, because of the area that I worked in, historically, East London has got a lot of um, Asian um, and black, run, mm-hmm. yeah, and black, mm-hmm. you know, businesses, um, and so it was really interesting, nobody had an issue with Asian dreams, none whatsoever, again, very wow. prestigious, held at the Fashion and Textiles Museum, which is the home of Zandra Rhodes, um, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. a very prestigious fashion designer here. No one has an issue. No one said anything. I, I couldn't believe it. There was nothing said to me about it, you know. And I worked with my friend, very good friend, David Reeson on that. Um, on that. He's an English gentleman, but, you know, even he, when I then moved on to do the contract for Culture to Couture, even he could see, you know, he's like, what is this? Why are people so up in their arms? They said nothing about Asian dreams, but they lost it. They lost their tish. And I think it's, both were quite prestigious, but I think it's because of the caliber of black the people. Caliber of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So it was very interesting to me. Unfortunately, um, it ended, and I'll explain the reason it ended. It ended because the subsequent uh, mayor of London that then came in is our current prime minister today. Okay. See, okay. Yes. The program yeah. was ended. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. But it was great. Yeah. Yeah. But it was great, you know? Wow. It was okay. fantastic. So that, I mean, it leads me to another question. Um, so this was a really prestigious event. It brought together a lot of black talent, a lot of specifically mm-hmm. black talent. And mm-hmm. this was how many years ago? Oh gosh, this is a good 14 years ago. 14 years ago. Um, what would you tell a young black designer or a young black person who wants to get into fashion now? And this is 14 years later, what would you tell them? The first any designer I would tell, but, but okay, if we're going to be specific about black fashion designers, mm-hmm. is you really need to understand finance. You've also got to understand the market now. The market's changed. Right. It's interesting because mm-hmm. I just left a very prestigious web- webinar that, at London College of Fashion, and quite a few of the things they were saying there I was like, right, great. So obviously now with so many things happening like COVID, Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, um, you know, equality and diversity, it's, it, it is a very unique and I would say quite strange time at the moment, but I think there are massive opportunities for black designers per se. The thing is, it's not any different. It's not that, okay, you're black and then, you know, it's going to be different for a white designer. It's not the same issues that a white designer will face. You will face, you will have, well, you'll have slightly more because the way the industry is, is, is um, set up, up. Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. you must, I cannot stress it enough. Really look at your numbers. Don't look for the pomp and the ceremony, which is about fashion shows, because those are going out of the window, by the way. Of course, Everything yeah. Everything is turned upside yeah. down, you know. Yeah. Right now, um, it's really interesting about, hmm, beginning of this COVID, I had a student from the Philippines, funny enough, come and take a course with me. And it was, she was really sweet. Um, it was a physical course. I had to switch it and put it online. Right. And mm-hmm. anyway, as we got talking, 
I was saying, what are you producing? She said, swimwear. And I was like, look, sweetheart, nobody's going anywhere. Right. <laughs> Read the room. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, but yeah, when it, you know, when it settles, it's like, even then, the world is not going to be traveling for a long while. And even then, yeah. I said, it's me, not the same I, numbers. Not the same. absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. you really got to look at what do the consumers want? So I posed her a question, where are you right now? She said, I'm at home. What are you wearing? I'm wearing like a tracksuit. Okay, it looks cute what you've got on because I can see. I said, right, that's what people want. So you need to really respond to what the consumer has got mm. going on. So right now, what I would say to a black fashion designer is really just sort of think about, you know, your lovely fancy dress for going out. No one's going to be interested in that right now. We're not doing, you know, okay, we're doing like the, the Insta parties and what have you, but we're wearing what we've already got in our wardrobes. Okay? Yeah. We can yeah. cycle. So it's about thinking, what do people want? And right now people want things that are going to be of comfort. Majority of us are going to be working from home. So yeah. it's those things which are going to be, you know, maybe switch to work from home and then when you pop out, you do look kind of stylish. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, So it's yeah. those sorts of things that people are going to want. Okay. And I would That's say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say to, you know, really understand the finance side of the business, which okay. taps into production. How is that going to work? And maybe I can touch on that a little bit later, but mm-hmm. really understand, you know, it's not about... I think there are positives. I always have a, I have a positive mindset and I think COVID has brought around some silver linings. The fact that more people will be shopping online means that you've got a greater yeah. market. You're not just restricted to um, brick and your mortar, locality. Um, yeah, 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 exactly. You're not just restricted to bricks and mortar. And I think there's masses um, now for e-commerce. And I think, again, touching back on what you said about black fashion designers, my goodness, the market is Right now it's open, isn't it? Yeah. Massive for us. You know, the, the you know, every we don't need the Western world. I'm gonna be really honest. We do not need them. There is a slide, I wish I could and maybe I'll send it to you. There's a slide mm-hmm. that I have that I show designers um, about how big Africa is and all of the countries that fit into it. So how China fits into Africa and Japan fits into the corner and India. And, you know, all of these, and, and America. And when you yeah. think about that, and you think about, hang on a minute, the population of those countries and then the population of Africa, if you start trading with Africa, please don't buy into the mindset that Africa, you know, that nonsense that people show you that the, the you know, we do have abject poverty, just as we do here in the United Kingdom. We have mm-hmm. it, it just looks slightly different. We do have abject poverty here. So please don't buy into that. There is a massive growing uh, middle class and upper class. A lot of countries yeah. in Africa are really thriving and they are really on the up. And as you said, they're just developing a middle class right now. A lot of them are yeah. on the up. So Absolutely. That, yeah. And but that is not the story you see. You know, no. <laughs> that well, if is you not look the story at the media. If you really think about what the media are obsessed with at the moment in terms of consumerism, we're all obsessed with what China is doing at the moment because of this Wuhan and what have you, COVID supposedly coming from there <laughs> and everybody's <laughs> eyes are on what China's doing you know how are they recovering what are they doing but I think it's interesting you need to kind of think about well what were the Chinese before what were they doing what, what was what was their what were their movements and a lot yeah. of them were in Africa why because the resources they want to build and develop so you know it's really interesting for me that you know they're there and if you think about it the western world is really quite frightened of China. There's something about China that, you know, makes them kind of, you know, yeah, very nervous. So if you kind of want to think about what's going on, where were the Chinese? They were in Africa. They still are in Africa. They haven't left. 
Um, I also find it very interesting that there isn't an airline which goes directly from Africa to the Caribbean. Do you know what I mean? Considering um, our history. Every, every year they keep talking about it. So our prime minister was in Ghana just before lockdown, just a couple, just a month or two before lockdown. And, mm -hmm. um, they, were, and they were discussing having a direct flight from here to Ghana. So, but I mean, I, I, I have heard that before. So, yes. yeah. And then now, I mean, with the situation with travel, so we're not going to see that happen for a while again. No, you know, but, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a glass is half full type of person. Mm -hmm. I think that what's going to happen is we are going to need to rely on one another to survive. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think yeah. with what's happening with the states and, you know, black people we're, we're going to see this surge so we already had the year of return with nigeria and ghana yeah um mm -hmm. and i think that's still very much there i think people still want that to happen i know i do so i, I do, do think we're going to start seeing that a lot more and i do think we're going to start seeing a lot more commerce between um the states the caribbean and africa um i really whatever happens you know we so we have cargo planes that travel but not domestic travel not domestic and I, yeah yeah but i do think for the future we are going to see that we're going to see you know i know we've heard it for several years you know that there would be this airline between the two but you have to kind of think well why is that why it doesn't happen it's and necessary. so yeah and so what what that does lead me to if i'm going to speak specifically about um designers in the caribbean where they can still have leverage um and I said this before when I came to visit on one of the talks that I did, was that you have such close proximity to the States. Yeah. So that can still happen, but really push the agenda. Don't be apologetic about being black. You know, if you've got like, I'm going to get my cup. I bought this in New Orleans when I went, you know, if you've got a big Afro on the front there, you know, really <laughs> scream yeah. it out loud. You know, as James Brown said, I'm black and I'm proud. We should not be ashamed of that. You know, um, and that doesn't mean that your aesthetic has to, you know, be like, you know, you can be whatever, but I just kind of yeah. don't be unapologetic about it. We have every right to be on this planet, given what's happened to us historically. Yeah. And I really just think we need to leverage that, you know, and if there are things that you can do. I also think other messages I can give to black designers is a lot of people look to the United Kingdom for design, etc. And I'm not gonna, you know, of course, great, fantastic. But just in terms of commerce, a lot of people say, oh, you know, I really want to sell in the United Kingdom. We're a tiny little island, very small island. Very you know, small population. It's not like, yeah. yeah right. Yeah, so if you think yeah. about the, the GDP there, it's, it's not huge. So again, if you're going to sell, I think it's great to sell there for marketing purposes. Oh, you, mm -hmm. you made, you hit it, but yeah. you're not going to, you know, you're not going to, uh, I'd be very surprised if you, unless you have something really cool that the UK market wants, um, you need to have several markets is the point that I'm saying. Of course, really of course. Make yeah. money. If you look and at Chanel. the continent, the African continent, you shouldn't count it out as being a market. It should be a market. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not even, a, yeah. it's, it should be, it shouldn't even be a question. It should be definitely because, yeah. you know, we want, I remember when I came to TNT, you know, when I speak to my, my friends, my black friends specifically, you know, and my black friends who've got money, you know, my family, mm -hmm. we look, you know, whenever we visit the Caribbean, you know, we want authenticity. We want of course, what's of course. there. I don't want, <laughs> what, you, you want know. something that looks American, like if you can, you can yeah. get it in America or something you can get in England. That. No, yeah. you want something that is authentically Caribbean, whatever Absolutely. that means. But yeah. You want something that, and I think we have Absolutely. to develop that still. We are still working on developing that, you know, Caribbean aesthetic on what 
on what our voice should be and what our stuff should look like because well, a lot think, of people you know yeah i think that your um i think your travel and tourism has it down pat so mm-hmm. if we start things to talk about e- e-commerce i know and mm-hmm. commerce per se i know we always here to talk a bit more about fashion but i want to talk about okay, commerce yeah. mm-hmm. i think that the caribbean really understands tourism now i know yes. there's not any tourism going on at the moment <laughs> but at some point it's going to pick back up and there are yeah. opportunities in West, in, in, in Africa, I shouldn't just say West Africa. Yeah. I mean, th- th- there are stark differences, you know, stark differences. They, I will speak just for Ghana, I won't speak for other places because mm-hmm. I don't think that's fair. But for what I've um, experienced in terms of tourism, they don't get it yet. Some places yeah. do, they're working on yeah. it. But I think, again, thinking back to um, trade and what can be done between the two whilst we are down it's sort of thinking about what do you have in the Caribbean that we don't have in Ghana and vice Africa. versa how can we trade between one another and that's what we need to do we need to be trading with one another you know it could be raw materials okay it could, it could be, be expertise absolutely expertise, yeah. absolutely yeah. Yeah. so those are the things that one needs to think about you know um what is you know what's great in the caribbean everyone understands tourism they understand um customer service i'm going to talk just for ghana here there needs to be that element where they need to understand how to better themselves in that you know from a cultural perspective i'm not putting ghana down because i love it it's amazing but there are things as you've just said there are skills that we can trade Mm -hmm. and now that we've all been which i love this is really bizarre to me pushed Mm -hmm. into this online world and i say to everyone Welcome to my world, because I've been teaching online for like eight years now, if not more. So it's really bizarre to me to see everyone in my world. And <laughs> because people couldn't get it before. They couldn't understand and we're here it. To stay. We are here to stay because Absolutely. I'm not going back to face to face. I am right. really enjoying the yeah. 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 Everybody hate, everybody disliked it, you know. Um, so I think there's lots that can be done, you know, yeah. online here, you know. So again, just touching back on things, I mean, like, for example, I'm a bit warm. So, you know, things like this, the, the yeah. traditional yeah. kind of um, fans, etc. we can trade on things like that. Sheer butter, cocoa butter. Of um, course, yeah. yeah. You know, um, I remember when I came, there was this really beautiful leaf. I can't remember what it's called. And I remember that you, you boil it down and you can make a drink from it, something like that. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing that we should be trading with one another. Do you see what I mean? Um, yeah things that you know things that things um, that even, are even in terms of the you know the craft because i think yeah. that africa really understands handmade and craft even though we do Absolutely. it here but it's still not on that level that you know that level of expertise so even mm-hmm. those even those kind of things so we could have stuff being made across there you know like there are so many opportunities yeah, and vice yeah. versa, there are things that versa. yeah, exactly. think, you know, there are things I don't want to, you know, there are things that you guys do. So I'll give an example, just really simple things like the spice boxes. We don't yeah. do that in Ghana. Yeah. I love that. I can't. I can get my cinnamon and my bay leaf and yeah. my rum leaf. Yeah. And the, yeah, you know, those sorts of things. We should be trading that between one another. You know, yeah, yeah. So there's massive opportunities there. I would say, definitely. Okay. All right. So <laughs> I'm gonna jump right in now um as we are on the continent we're talking we're talking about africa and stuff so mm-hmm. um tell us about the un and world trade organization ethical fashion program okay so that was back in 2012 um mm-hmm. i was working with my late uncle kofi Ansa, 
who mm-hmm. was kind of Ghana's leading, I'd say, fashion designer. And wow. we'd spoken many times about me coming to work out in Ghana. I was like, yeah, whatever. I'd been in the UK, born, I'm so I'm Ghanaian British. My parents are Ghanaian, but I was born in the United Kingdom. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and just used to travel back every now and again. Um, and then, you know, he said, well, there's this job coming up and I want you to take it. And I was like, I'm not going anywhere. I was dating somebody who I thought, yeah, you know, <laughs> we're going to get married and I'm not going anywhere. So he sent the UN over to uh, interview me. And literally within two weeks, I was packed and ready to start a new life yeah. in Ghana. So I had this interview to go and set a factory up over there. Um, it, I'm not going to lie, it was bittersweet. Um, yeah. It was fraught with um, lots of red tape because I was met with lots of um, kind of Western um, uh, ideals and standards that they wanted me to impose on Ghana. And I had to kind of relax on certain things in Ghana. I'll give an example. Um, we had these fantastic artisans that we were working with who were making beautiful mahogany um, furniture for this mm-hmm. school that we were creating. And um, the way that the UN worked was that everything had to be done for a bank. It had to be, everything had to be done. But in Ghana, you know, we do, we do like susu or, you know. Yeah, we, same here. We, we have cash. susus and stuff here. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So it was really difficult. So I had to think on my feet like, well, how can I marry the two together? So we had to set up a um, bank account for this uh, community. Uh, we had to set up a community interest company and do it that way. Um, things like, you know, we had this factory and I had to get um, a huge generator shipped from the States, uh, sorry, China. And then we had to pay for the fuel, but we weren't allowed to do cash transactions. So wow. it, had to be, uh, it had to be vouchers that we would get from the petrol station. I mean, it was really, I mean, I learned yeah, so much. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot. Yeah. It really was a lot. But it made me think on my feet about how to navigate in Ghana. And, and I'm not going to lie, it was very frustrating. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember my uncle, God bless him, saying to me, you know, you need to relax. And I remember, because all, all I was doing was just screaming all the time. <laughs> and he would come up to me and calmly say, you need to relax. And then I can't remember, I'd forgotten, it would come to me later. Something happened. He said to me, you've relaxed, you've relaxed. Because I'd kind of, you know, just go with the flow. Um, that's because of our Western world privilege. Absolutely. Our Western world privilege is showing. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, my Western yeah, privilege yeah. came yeah. right out. This not. Yeah. You know, we need to sign this paper. We need to, you know, mm-hmm. ensure that this mm-hmm. is signed off. We need to. No, that's not how it works. And Ghana showed me. Ghana said, "We're going to deal with you," and it dealt with me. And I love it for all the more for that. It really showed me. I was like, you know, you you do need to relax. You know, and um, I just I love Ghana. I love it so much. Um, Lots of people do say to me, why are you here? And I know why I'm here, it's to do with my parents. But going back, you know, will I end up in Ghana? Yes, I will. I will mm-hmm. end up um, living back there. Um, we have a home over there. We have a bit of land out there. So uh, as, as I said, just before COVID was taking its toll, I was out to get on a plane and I was praying. It's really funny. A friend of mine, we were praying we were going to get stuck there. Stuck there, yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately it didn't happen, so I'm here. <laughs> Um, but Ghana um, it's an amazing country Um, you know I didn't go on the year of return the Christmas gone I did go a Mm -hmm. lot of people were really shocked and saying why didn't you go and I said because it would have it wouldn't have been the Ghana that I know and my family who are out there were saying to me you wouldn't have enjoyed it Jen you know it's very much like very commercial yeah 10 years ago you know the traffic not being able to move around what have you Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of potential I do think when we do come out of whatever lockdown 
specifically travel, I think we're going to see a resurgence. I think we're probably going to see more people wanting to go I mean, to to Ghana and Nigeria um, and other places. I think um, what they can benefit from, again, as I said, is the whole tourism. I think, you know, our president did really well in trying to get people to come over and the president mm -hmm. of Nigeria as well. Um, obviously with, you know, a lot of black celebrities. And I think with what's going on as well, currently with Black Lives Matter, a lot of people have said, you know, that they want to kind of move. However, what I will say is, if you are thinking, this is anybody in the world, if you are thinking of moving to Africa, you really do have to, as my uncle always said to me, relax. Yeah, you yeah, need yeah, to get yeah, rid yeah. of those. Yeah. You need to get rid of those Western sensibilities. Um, it yes, okay, you can have a good life out there, but you also need to think about those that are not doing very well. So, for example, there is a lot of poverty there, and you need to ask yourself, how can you live with that? So, it's not a question of you moving and you being flash and flashing your money. It's also thinking, how can I help the community? Because there are people also as well. So, you know, I remember just. I think small things in the beginning, like, you know, helping children with school books and things like that, yeah. or, um, you know, you'd go and buy things, you know, um, and sometimes I know when I'm getting ripped off, but sometimes, you know, I'd want to do proper deals with people. Um, so it, it's, it really is about thinking about that and thinking, thinking about okay, that, yeah. you're there, but if you're there, you need to better the country in order for you to, I think if you want to have that good life, what are you doing to give back? Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. also really important to think about, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so what, what, what one thing for you um, mm -hmm. was the, your biggest highlight of the ethical fashion um, program? What was your biggest highlight? Um, gosh, there were so many. I know, I right? Think, <laughs> gosh, there were so many. So, oh my goodness. I don't know. There were so many. I think meeting the young um, designers mm -hmm. I think just going in and I mean it was I'm not gonna lie it wasn't easy it was frustrating because mm -hmm. my uncle was our, our taskmaster but I think sort of just sense of seeing their joy of being creative and watching them build their own community without my input or my uncle's input or the US in, UN's input and building this collective sadly mm -hmm. I think it kind of died because you know my uncle's passion and drive wasn't there but I think if it was still yeah, there today yeah. I mean it would have turned into something that's not to say that these youngsters haven't gone on um, to, to do, do amazing things they things, have yeah. um, but that was one of the highlights what else um, I'm trying to think what else were the highlights I think just just being a home really. being, just, yeah, yeah. just this sense of you know knowing that I'm doing something in my my um, my family home you know mm. I remember my dad was so proud he was just he, I don't think he could believe that I'd moved back to Ghana do you know what I mean? This, I think he's just thinking like, you know, this Western child of mine. <laughs> She's just, I love it. You know, I assimilate, I get yeah. in. I should say this as well. Okay, highlights. Okay, this is a highlight. I don't speak my um, home tongue fluently. Okay. And um, I'm going to say because of colonialism. Here, mm -hmm. schools in the United Kingdom when we were younger, they, if you parents spoke a different language, they brainwashed you into thinking that um, you're not going to be able to speak English, which we now know is absolute rubbish. I think highlights for me um, would be going into work and the entire workforce not speaking to me at all in English. Wow. That was a highlight. And my uncle, and, and it would, I wouldn't know when it was going to happen, it'd be random. And everybody, it would be random days. And I think that was a highlight, yeah. So what would happen was I'd go in and 
it would be weird. My uncle would have probably texted everybody and said, right, today is no, no English day today and everything would be in tree. So yeah, that was a <laughs> highlight for me. One of the highlights. Because it was okay. like, you have to, you know, speak the right. language. I've fallen um, off, but yeah. You've fallen off. Well, yeah. But I mean, you're going to, you're going to move back. So I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're going to yeah, pick up on it. I'm it sure you're going to pick up on it. <laughs> um, so, right. Um, how do you think fashion, mm-hmm. fashion as an entity, fashion as an industry, how do you think it can be used to better promote social change? I think it's happening now because mm-hmm. um, there was an interesting article I shared with some of my students the other day in the Guardian newspaper. And one of the quotes that came out was, if I've been at home for three months and I haven't really mm-hmm. bought anything, do I really need to have something? Mm. And I think that's what's happening now. You know, customers are sort of really thinking about what they're going to buy. So I think there is this thing of excess. There is, you know, um, Fabio Peras, who's the head of fashion, MA Fashion at Central St. Martins. He also he had a fantastic article in Drapers. He said the same thing, that we're seeing like a reset button where fashion is slowing down. That's not to say that people are not going to buy clothing again. again mm-hmm. We will. There always will be that market. But I think it really is making everybody think a little bit more about what we buy, where we buy from, how we buy, um, when we buy. We buy. Yeah. 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 So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, I think there's room for everyone. Fashion used to be this little exclusive, you know, mm-hmm. uh, only the, 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 the special fashionistas were part of and I don't think that that's the case anymore I think there is a lot more if you really think about how many billion people there are on the planet there's a lot more room yeah and I think there was this whole kind of exclusive not very healthy mindset and I think now you know um we've seen before COVID we were seeing that change anyway with people being accepted from diverse backgrounds and when I say diverse I mean black white transgender Everything. Um, mm-hmm. Everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, age, age mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, one of my favorite things to talk about in, in classes, I ask students, we do like a, I ask them to do like a pen profile of who is like a key customer, that, you know, pick one. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of 10, the majority of them will pick the millennial customer. There's nothing wrong with that. But I just say to them, you know, the kind of consumer that you're talking about doesn't really have that much money not as much as the slightly older demographic you know women in the, the boomers yeah 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 well actually not quite the boomers, not, not, not the boomers after them the, just after them yeah the generate so it's generation x, x. so mm-hmm. those that class has got a lot of money yeah so it's kind of like you know um generation z's sort of grandparents maybe parents mm-hmm. grandparents parents They've got a lot of money. millennials, parents. They've, yeah. They're the ones yeah. who've got money. So women yeah. who are in their late forties, fifties, men as well. Yeah. And those are the ones that people and boomers too. Not not, not us. Not us. Well, no. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's really interesting because I yeah. it's actually everyone. I was reading a report on stylists, mm-hmm. and it was lovely because they were saying actually it's I don't like compartmentalizing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. How and what was lovely was this particular report on stylus trend prediction company was saying that this is inclusive, this is everyone, everyone matters mm. because of how people, if you were older, you know, the way that you were treated, that okay, especially here in the UK, you're not important, you're gonna die, whatever <laughs> that's wrong, you know. And then also, if you're young, you need to be a little bit more responsible and protect yourself. That's a good thing, but we need to think about everybody. 
you know, so what old people don't buy clothes? Old we people, do. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, yeah. every, every everybody buys clothes, yeah, yeah. And then also the misconception that old people don't have money. Um, they do. You know, <laughs> they do. If they've retired, yeah. you know, who they're spending yeah. their money on, either themselves or their grandchildren or their children. Yeah. So yeah. this is a thing, you know, we really need to reframe and think. You know, I'm not saying that millennials don't have money; they do, but really think about okay, what's the market I'm going for. So I think that's what we need to look at as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and just yeah, in terms of social change, I think we're going to see a lot of positives. Um, consumer now is going to be much more um, considered. They're going to be much more aware about what they're buying. They're going to be more interested in what is in that particular garment, where mm. it's come from. Um, so they're going to make much more informed choices, choices about what they buy and where they buy from. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, I'm really interested in Africa, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah, happy <laughs> um, to speak more on it. I know, right? Um, what do you think is next for African fashion? What's, what is next? So much. So, um, I don't know, have you seen, uh, well, she, she, Congolese, the Congolese fashion designer who did the uh, online what, fashion show with Chloe. What is her name? Her name's Anifa um, Movemba. Mm -mm. I'll send it to you. So she's okay. got a brand, she's got a brand called Hanifa. She's Hanifa. Congolese. H-A-N-I-F-A. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, she's Congolese heritage, but I think she's based in New York. She's based in the States. But she did an online, the first virtual fashion catwalk show. But what was beautiful about it was there was a story in there, her talking about the, the Congo and talking about how, you know, there's all this mining going on with these kids. So the clothes mm. also told a story. So it was, I thought it was really beautiful because it had this really beautiful conscious message behind it, stunning clothes. Um, and it got a lot of attention. Um, I mean, do check it out, you know, go and have I a look will, on Instagram. I, yeah. I mean, it, it, what was beautiful as well was you had this catwalk. There were no models in the clothes, but it was like someone defined it as how can these ghosts have much better bodies than I? <laughs> so when you see it, you, you'll get what I'm talking about. And it was absolutely stunning to the point that she's been listed most recently on, on Beyonce's um, Black Lives Matter shopping list. Wow. So, yeah, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say something controversial. I don't think the clothes were that dynamic, you know, compared to some things that I've seen. And okay. remember where I, I, I teach at London College. You teach, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I see some, you know, amazing mm -hmm. things. But it was beautiful. I just think the story behind it, and it's going to make um, Anifa a much more considered designer. The fact that now she's got that put, well, I think she had to push anyway. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, she's been covered by CNN and you name it, everybody, she's all over the place. I'm actually just on her page right now. I just yeah. went on to her so you page, yeah. So you should be able to see the catwalk going, you know. It's, 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 it's beautiful what she's done. And also, when you go onto her actual website, she's used the 3D models, which is very clever. Because what mm -hmm. she's doing is she's saving costs of not having to sample. So yeah. um, I do see that technology is going to up the ante in Africa. Um, other misconception that I want to talk about is so a lot of people are like, oh, but you know, what about the digital and the Wi-Fi? For me, I first had a taste of 4G Wi-Fi in Ghana. Mm -hmm. The Wi-Fi for me um, was better there than the UK. We were still on 3G. And so, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? So I want people to understand that, you know, it's coming up, you know, it's, it really is. So um, what else do I see? So um, the late, great Franca Cezani, um, mm, who was the editor yeah. of Italian Vogue, Italian she Vogue, said yeah. the next destination for fashion is Africa. Um, I, I believe that. I believe that. Mm -hmm. mm. 
there's so much coming out. I mean, there was a, a designer today who was talking um, on um, uh, on this uh, discussion we had. And uh, let's see, what was her name? I wrote it down because I just thought she was very interesting. She's a lawyer, but then she's also uh, has this factory, which in, in Nigeria, um, Abisade uh, Adenubi. Abisade Adenubi. And it was really interesting what she was saying. She's been making a lot of PPE and she was talking about how um, they were looking at social distancing. And, mm-hmm. and I think what I loved about her talk was she was talking about how they managed, you know, um, to deal with coronavirus and how she was looking after um, her staff. And so that was beautiful, hearing about the well-being and making sure they were fed and creating a cafe as well mm-hmm. on site and making sure that her team were. And I thought, we've got a lot to learn here. We've got a lot to learn um, because Africa, let's not forget, Africa has been beset with things like malaria, yellow fever, dengue yeah, yeah, fever. Yeah. Yeah. you know and of course ebola and so i think that that's why you know a, a, the western world had their eyes on africa was like, how is it that they managed to not you know have so many high cases that's because you know what we've had absolutely so i think they've yeah. been very well placed to look mm-hmm. after themselves so i think you know mm-hmm. and we mustn't we mustn't forget that um so in terms of things like management, development, I think, you know, there's a lot to be learned from Africa, how they've um, managed themselves in terms of, we've, we've, and with we've, um, the lease facilities. So something I was really mm. impressed with um, was with um, in Ghana, where our president had, we had, we had um, drones dropping off medication. We didn't have that in the United Kingdom. You know, we didn't have any of it. I, we had, I we that, had, that, did you see that? that? Yeah. And I the other that. one was disinfecting yeah. the streets. I didn't yeah. see yeah. one street here disinfected. We have road sweepers, don't get me wrong, but I didn't see any disinfection. I didn't have the machines. We've got the machines. Believe me, we've got the machines to do it. I didn't see them disinfect anything. We have snow here and um, they come out, they have these machines which come out and grit the roads to give them salt, salt down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As you know, mm-hmm. why weren't those machines deployed to, you know, disseminate disinfect instead of yeah mm-hmm. and you know people want to you know you've got the horrible um what should i call him there's so many different names i have for him the orange donut um <laughs> saying that africa is a tish hole you know what i mean you, well please you know you have the highest rate of covid deaths i'm not saying that that's anything to be proud of but yeah, yeah. you know just watch what's going on in your own back garden before you start commenting on on africa so i think that there will be lots of developments in Africa. There are going to be developments in science. Um, and there There's definitely see... a lot of technology stuff happening in Africa. Af- yeah. Africa is really stepping into, into tech here. Yeah. A lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to, okay, I'll give you something. If you really want to know, like, um, you want to see what's, what's doing really, really well, there's a college called Eshesi University. Um, and um, the, the uh, chap that is there, um, uh, Patrick, he has uh, built the most beautiful campus um, in a place called Berekusu, and it's absolutely stunning. Um, now, Patrick is from, um, he's, he's back where he was at uh, Microsoft, but he's built the most mm-hmm. amazing, 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 amazing school out in this, you know, this in, uh, university. Patrick Awua is his name. Most amazing oh. university. 
And I remember I'd, I'd visited it before when it was in Accra and it was lovely then. I thought it was in a place, um, a really beautiful place in, in Accra. But then seeing it in, in Abracuso is just stunning. You know, I, I implore you to go and have a look at the pictures. I'll check it out. Yeah. Yeah, you're just um, you're just schooling me. I'm just taking notes to go and look up all of these people. You know the things that they're doing out there. You know, like they, you know, they build robots out there, and it's just absolutely amazing. So it, it's it's coming, it's growing, and mm. you know the conversations, and also I think the young people are hungry as well. They want jobs, so we've got to start thinking about how we're going to create jobs for ourselves, yeah. and we've got to stop relying on the West to give us handouts. I think the problem is. This is going to be controversial. Yes, I worked with the UN. Do I think the UN is problematic? Yes, I do. I think the fact that, you know, some of the countries looking, you know, them coming in, we need to fix our own problems on our own turf rather than having, you know, these people flying in and helping us and all the rest of it. Yeah. We, some of us are doing just fine, you know, without that, this notion that they're going to come in and save us. I'm like, well, actually, no, you know. Again, this Western sensibilities, I really, the day, as I said, I'm trying to remember what it is and I'm, it will probably come to me later when I relaxed and I was just like, you know what, actually, I don't need to do what you lot do. We're doing just fine here. Just fine, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, what do you love most about Ghana? Oh my gosh, what a loaded <laughs> question. <laughs> what do you love most? Oh, okay. Let me be, let me try and be creative with it. So what do I love? <laughs> I love in the morning when I wake up, it's very similar to being in Trinidad and Tobago, the sounds. So at night time, I'd say the sounds of the crickets. We don't have that here in the UK. Uh, waking up in the morning and hearing the birds because they're different to the ones in the UK, the birds. Mm -hmm. um, what else do I love? I love um, the heat. Today, fun mm -hmm. enough, in the United Kingdom, we've been hotter than Ghana, which is interesting. It's been, you all been having a heat wave, right? Yeah. 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 It's, a, yeah. it's a different kind of heat, which you know, Kevin. I know. I know. There was a time I was there. It was like summertime, and I thought I was going to die. It was yeah. just yeah. just thick. No yeah, breeze. That's right. Like, ah. Yeah. 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 Um, so I do like, I like the Ghana heat because where I live, I live very close to the beach. So I love that. Um, the food. Oh my gosh. The Jollof Wars, I think is hilarious. Mm. So we have, I don't know if people know what the Jollof Wars are. I'll explain it. So Jollof rice is a rice, which is, has got like a base tomato mm -hmm. and um, onions and maybe some people put meat and veg in it. But the interesting thing is that the Jollof War is between Ghana and Nigeria. And Nigeria, who has yeah. the best Jollof rice here? No, yeah. they do not. Niger Ghana has. But actually the thing <laughs> is, it's, it's, it's the, the joke of it is, is it's not even from our country, it's from the Gambia. So the Wolof tribe, which is where it comes from. So it's really funny. So that's the other thing that I love. I think that is so hilarious about, about the two. Um, what else do I love about Ghana? My goodness, the crafts. So you can see my little carvings at the back and I know you have that, uh, you mm -hmm. know. Um, I just love our creativity, the vibrancy, the colors, the people. Everybody looks happy, even though they don't have some people, sorry, not everybody. Some people don't have that much. They're just very friendly people, very warm. Um, what else do I love about Ghana? I love the dirt. You know, it, you come out and um, this may be, you know, the same in, in Trinidad and Tobago, but I love that I can open my front door and there's like little goats, you know, little in kids. Different places, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love all of that. What else? Yeah. Um, um, there are some things that I don't love about Ghana that I do love. So, um, the community spirit so my house floods all the time <laughs> but what i love is that the community come together and help 
mm-hmm. it's, it's different to London. Um, gosh, what else do I love? I love our nature. We've got these beautiful um, trees, which you can, if you're clever enough, this is what they use some of the um, the bark and some of the um, the plants, the leaves to create like kente cloth to weave. Mm. I love that as well. I love kente cloth. Um, our traditions, um, yeah, our ceremonies. Well, where can I stop? There's too much, Kevin. So, Jen, what would you be doing now if you weren't involved in fashion? You know, I kind of touched on it before. I would be a forensic mm-hmm. scientist. <laughs> okay, that's like yeah. far away from fashion, but yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, at the beginning of the conversation, I was saying, you know, I was into science at school and um, I really admire my science teacher. And we were doing a, a seminar on um, forensics and I excelled in it. I absolutely enjoyed it. I mean, it's all I would talk about. I was so excited about it. And my dad got excited about it. Um, too excited to the point that he just pushed me to do too much of the, you know, the, the, um, the sciences at school. <laughs> and which kind of was like, you know, I just lay off. It was too much, you know, Saturday school studies and it was too much. And so I just thought, you know, I, let me go with the thing that is slightly easier. I can get away with doing the art. And I did that, and then the rest is history. So I'd probably be a forensic scientist right now. Okay, all right, fair enough. And I mean, you're using those, that technical skills and that research skills and, you know, to help people yeah. with business now. So yeah, yeah, it's one thing I One thing I do <laughs> want to say is, one thing I do want to say is because um, my life has evolved. If someone had told me when I was at fashion college that I'd be doing technology, like a science, I would have told them you're lying. So I do want to say to any fashion designers out there that, you know, we don't know what's going to come next. We don't know how technology is going to evolve. Yeah. We don't know, you know, you've, you're seeing a little bit of it with artificial intelligence now and this 3D fashion modeling, which is not new, um, by the way. I want to say this has been around before. If anybody plays with something called Second Life, that will give you an idea of this virtual life that we are, you know, going into virtual fashion. Um, and fashion tech is massive mm-hmm. so it's not new but I would say you know kind of get into that and we also don't know what the new jobs are going to be yeah because a lot of stuff is going to have to be virtual as well yeah, yeah. the yeah. other thing that I do want to say and this is touching back to when I came back wow this is a long time when I came over to um, Trinidad and Tobago and I gave my talk and I said someone asked me something similar like what is the next thing and I onshoring someone mentioned it today in a talk we're going to see a lot more people creating things where they live um and people are going to be interested in that so for example the fact that this woman in nigeria created this factory i was like amazing and that's what i think that you know the caribbean you know and africa and if we start with our localities because that's what we're going to have to do you know this we don't know when we're going to start flying again yeah um, and there's limited cargo um flights going out so we're going to start seeing people being creative on their um on turf so a lot of manufacturing production i feel that the um colleges push out too many designers and not enough producers mm. so those people that can do what i call auxiliary services like pattern cutters um if you become an agent like um maybe facilitating deliveries yeah um how that works understanding the notion of okay so somebody wants a dress made how can i get that dress to that person um those kinds of things um even actually having a production unit you know that's fully resourced 
at the moment we're going to think about coronavirus how we mm -hmm. use social distancing but offering that type of service where you know i think we're going to see return to like bespoke services again as well when the lockdown sort of um, eases off yeah so i think those things you know people are going to want a little bit of difference so I think if you can, you know, adapt to that and think about what kind of service can you offer as opposed to everyone wanting to be the fashion designer. You don't really make much money being a fashion designer. You'll make a lot of money being a pattern cutter or, as I said, a service delivery. Awesome. So I guess, I mean, what I'm getting out of our chat today is really about the importance of being able to adapt right now. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to adapt. Um, Absolutely. Adapt our mindsets, adapt the way we spend, adapt mm -hmm. to the way we think about products and services, and it's really about adaptation. Absolutely. Um, so, Jen, what would you like to say in closing? Because we're wrapping up. What would you like to leave with my um, guests in closing? I think just, again, I want to err on the side of positivity that I do really think that there's going to be amazing opportunities for fashion designers out there or I don't want to say fashion designers, so fashion, I don't even like industry. Really fashionists, yeah. but for the fashion industry, yeah. you know, think about what I've said, you know, the colleges are churning out lots of designers. Um, look at what the consumer wants. Really, you know, go on the, um, not so much just Instagram, but just sort of read the news, what, what's happening in the consumer trending markets. You've got places mm -hmm. like Stylus, you've got Promostil, you've got WGSN. If you want to get all the free information, just go on their Instagram because it's there <laughs> and really have a look and get a sense and feel for what people want. What are people look asking? Yeah. 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 So yeah. that's what I would say. And res respond to what consumers want, not to what you think, you know, really yeah. be considered, you know, what, what is missing out there? So research, research, research. Absolutely. Nobody wants your, at the moment, nobody wants your, you know, disco coloured bikini. <laughs> <laughs> the beach, because we're not going there. You know? <laughs> Maybe in the future, but right now, you know, your day glow athleisure set yeah. at, at yeah. home. Yeah, we can get down with that. Awesome. Wow. Okay. Uh, Jen, that's Amazing. it. That's it for me from Trinidad and Tobago. Um, <laughs> oh, it's been awesome. I've really enjoyed it, Kevin. We must it's speak great. again. It's been great. Um, I actually want to do something live and I want to bring together a few fashion industry people from around the world. So let's try mm -hmm. to organize a live. I would um, be delighted. Yeah. Yeah. I would be yeah. delighted to, to attend if you would have me. So yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, you're definitely there. So within the next few weeks, I'm going to send you and let's try to do that. And just to be able so people can get to ask you guys some questions and really talk about this notion of trade and trade and stuff so i'll lean on yeah. you to get somebody from africa in that yeah would, sure all yeah. right yeah. i will do that yeah. i will do cool. that absolutely awesome sauce great so it's been fantastic jen um wonderful catching up after all this time i know and yeah we'll see each other soon absolutely you keep well kevin thank you <laughs> take care love to you guys yeah, yeah. bye you too. Bye, bye bye see you <laughs>